Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for stopping by. Here on the Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon, episode 118. It's all things fandom-based. We are the Brandons, and today, with great joy, with great anticipation, with we great are talking about... The- and great responsibility. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like this is a safe place to be irresponsible, especially with you know some of our ludicrous takes, but I think we're going to have very similar tastes in, uh, and opinions as a reaction to what we saw this past weekend together. It's nice to hang even though you don't really hang during a movie. Uh, but we saw the Batman is what I'm trying to say. So we were coming at you with two very important things. Our spoiler-filled discussion about the Batman and the best flavor of LaCroix. Live debate. Go ahead. Ooh, uh, I really like Key Lime. Key Lime is very satisfying. Yeah. I haven't really run into any that I strongly dislike. Some are clearly better than others. Except for coconut. Coconut, if you're a coconut LaCroix fan. But here's another debate about LaCroix. LaCroix? LaCroix? What do you say? I say LaCroix because I'm, that's just what seems right to me. I wonder how many people have turned off the podcast already. Oh, man. I totally thought this was a Batman review, but now they're talking LaCroix. Uh, So what we're trying to tell you is this discussion about the Batman is sponsored by LaCroix. LaCroix, happiness in a can. (laughs) You know what? Please recycle. Okay, first of all, key lime is the best. Uh, coconut does suck. And uh, I'm actually drinking a polar orange vanilla. It tastes like kind of like a creamsicle. It's pretty good. That's not a LaCroix. No, it's not a LaCroix, by Look the way. And, and it is, I'm pretty sure, pronounced LaCroix as someone named Jennifer LaCroix once told me. That would literally her last name was LaCroix spelled the same. And she was like, it's pronounced LaCroix, not LaCroix. Uh, we are not true. We're not sponsored by LaCroix or Polar. Nobody sponsors any episode. So that just means we get to flex our creative muscles. So in line with that thought, today's episode is brought to you by dog training. You're familiar, right? With dog training? Yes. Yeah. It's for when you can't put your dog in a car. You can't put your dog on an airplane, a boat, but you need to get them across state lines. So you use dog training. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, uh, speaking, of, speaking of puns and then the movie we're about to talk about, um, I was really excited to see the Bob's Burgers movie poster. I, I think that'll be fun. I don't think it's like a must see in theaters, obviously, but well, it's it, just good for them to get to this point. Yeah, it, it kind of just reminds me of the Simpsons movie. Like it, it's not anything extraordinary, but it's going to be funny, you know? Exactly. I, I have I have faith. Yes. So uh, let's. With, Oh, thank you. Yes, my daughter's name is Faith. So, Brandon, uh, no further ado. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. I, I've waited for this movie for a long time, and I am not disappointed. Um, let's share our thoughts with each other and um, our listening audience. Uh, I thought this movie was awesome. I was so, I was so happy with the way I <laughs> just found myself enjoying this movie. Like right from the beginning, what a, what a. I, I don't even know where to start. And this is where I'll defer to you because you typically rein in discussions and that's definitely something you're good at in our dynamic and I'm good at rambling, but um, <laughs> I, I just thought this was an overall excellent movie. I was very encouraged um, with any future directions they're headed. If this is um, an, a universe there and expand on, if it's a one-off, you know, Christian Bale and, uh, 
Nolan. Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah. He's got three Batman movies. About of those three movies total, about one and a half of which I enjoyed. I fully enjoyed this movie. I would definitely welcome any future movies from uh, Matt. Is it Matt Reeves? I want to say. Yeah, Matt Reeves. But he had the benefit of, you know, having a very um, dominant presence behind the scenes in that he wrote it and directed it, just like, you know, yeah. Christopher Nolan with the past three and uh, Tim Burton with his two, I want to say. It's very clear that Matt Reeves had a singular vision to this and was not met with a bunch of studio interference that we sometimes see with Warner Brothers movies. So yeah, it just, I agree. Just like Christopher Nolan, he had a vision and he was able to execute his way. And it turned out so good because of that. I felt even though, you know, it still had a PG-13 PG rating, this by far and away was the most adult, uh, mature uh, version of Batman we've seen on film uh, or I've seen on film. Dude, do you remember like two years ago when they announced this and then when the trailer came out when he had the eye black on and people like Robert Pattinson, the guy from friggin' Twilight? I didn't really have any thoughts because I, I don't know too much about him, but I'm willing to give anyone a shot. If freaking George Clooney can play Batman, sure, come on over, you know? Um, he was awesome. He played, you know, Batman is a whole a lot of different type of Batman. He was a young, but tortured, broken, but confident. I, I just, I, he disturbed, detached, despondent, but still very reserved. And I just love how he not only was a good Bruce Wayne, but a very solid Batman and just the aesthetics. I mean, this just was, I felt so rewarded for, for anticipating this movie. And unlike movies of this nature in the past, or just movies in general for that matter, I felt the trailer now having seen the movie told you right away what this was. There was no pretenses. You know, they even used, you know, the, the Nirvana something in the way song in the trailer. And then it was like his, like oddly enough, his like theme in this movie, <laughs> like it played twice. And, you know, you could tell yeah. from the trailer, it's going to be, uh, he's angry. He's pissed off. He's, he's violent. Um, and it's a very dark movie, not only in content, but just the aesthetics. And yeah, you got exactly what the trailers set you up for. There was no pretenses. Just awesome. Yeah, I think through and through this, the marketing was very clear with exactly what people should expect from this movie. It wasn't like they were, you know, and we've seen this time and time again where Warner Brothers might push out some sort of trailer. They'll get some feedback and they'll be like, oh, maybe we should add some humor to this and, you know, or something like that. We'll put a classic song remastered and all slow in yeah. 2000s out, you know. Well, to be fair, they kind of did do that on this <laughs> like they did use a kind of a classic song but, but it was it was it genuine was, to the spirit of the movie it you know? was it was and it, it didn't feel forced where you're like listening to bohemian rhapsody or something you know like yeah. it it did feel everything in this truly felt like a singular vision i think yes. all the way down to like the, the nitty-gritty details like you can tell when matt reeves was writing this he had visions in his head about what the scenes would look like. Oh, yeah. And that is absolutely clear that, I mean, the cinematography is per perfect. It's literally perfect in this it's, movie. It should get a credit in the movie, like, you know, as a character, like the, this, yeah. the backdrop and the city itself and the feeling of this is a dark, brutal Gotham. 
like the movie gave life to like the city into where it felt like it was every bit as part of the film as much as any other one who appears on the credits were, you know, I just, I thought that it reminded me a lot of like Blade Runner 2049, you know, just the darker kind of noir Gothic tone. And like, there was parts of the movie where it's hard to see, but I'm like, that's intentional. That's someone's vision. That's not just an oversight or shitty CGI, you know? And, but even then when, when there are things that were hard to see, it was specifically because it was creating some sort of fear or, like, for example, near the beginning of the movie, when they're doing that voiceover where um, Rob... Oh, that was excellent. Right. Which, by the way, when I first started watching this and it starts with a voiceover from Robert Pattinson, my first thought was that that was a risky move because yeah. sometimes that can get come off the wrong way. Like, it's, it's a way of just giving exposition or whatever. Lazy storytelling, yeah. Kind of, but, but it worked so well in this. Um, you know, I mean, it was a little cheesy when he's just like, I am the shadow, you know, stuff like that. But it, it still it worked, right? It, I don't know why it worked, but it did. But um, yeah. anyway, just going back to uh, when you're talking about like how, how darkness is used in this, r- truly, especially near the beginning when he's talking about fear in criminals and, and how his, one of his, he thinks his purpose is to strike fear in the criminals and that will make them stop doing crimes. And it shows a couple of criminals looking into a dark area and you're- oh, When he first not, showed up, he was a horror villain, dude. Well, and that's, that's what I'm getting at is like to the bad guys, he's a horror villain. And this goes into the whole um, story arc, right? Is he thinks that the way to stop crime is to scare the bad guys. And then by the end of it, you realize that it's not about putting fear in people. It's about putting hope in people. And, um, and that's shown in the cinematography with the way where the beginning is all about the night and the, and the end is all about light. Right. When he's um, loading that person into the helicopter and there's actually, you right. finally see him during the day. And, and every time before, I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I caught this every time before when he's shown in the sunlight, he's wearing sunglasses or squinting. He like can't stand the light. But except at the end, when he's looking straight up into the sky, as that person's going up into the helicopter, he's the first time he doesn't squint. Anyway, little details like that, you know, sorry, I'm going to get back on the night thing where that that darkness in the cinematography was used so well to create a brooding fear that was meant to show the audience exactly what the criminals were feeling. And then it's it's the monster in the closet. You know, what am I looking at? Is what I'm seeing really coming at me or is it just like shadows? And then when he slowly walks out, you know, you hear the footsteps, which is like awesome goosebumps, like, <laughs> you know, and you hear the footsteps and he comes through with the coolest Batman suit that has ever existed. Bar and none. yet the most simple, right? Well, really? It's, it's, I thought it was pretty like armor plated and all that, wasn't it? It was. I did, he didn't have like, you know, the spikes on the forearm and he didn't have like a, oh. a utility belt. And just the, as far as like the, the aesthetics, it was just everything was very muted, not a huge bat symbol, you know? Yeah. And, like, but the bat the symbol was, was, like, was that metal, uh, it, you know, because it was kind of a weapon, right? It was like a blade. But the way it, it looked was just so kind of almost. Everything about the, the aesthetics in this movie, including his suit, very understated, you know? You don't have to draw attention to things to be like, look, see, look how cool. Like everything was just so understated and it lets you find it 
instead of smacking you right in the face with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everything yeah. just down from like Christopher Nolan's whole, whole Batman series. I thought there was some incredible parts in that, but I always thought Batman himself didn't look right. I always thought his cowl was funky. There's something yes. so perfect about the way that Robert Pattinson looks in this bat suit. And, you know, he just, he's got that perfect jawline. He actually has, in my opinion, the perfect voice. Um, you know, it's, he, he doesn't seem like he's faking it, you know, like in the Nolan universe, whenever he put the bat, the bat suit on and he'd do his deep growly voice, it sounded fake. Yeah, where is she? And in this case, it just, it's just him, you know? Yeah, and, and, and he's so soft-spoken. Like when he's talking to detectives or Catwoman, he's just like, yeah. and he's, he has an economy of words. It's just like, he just talks in spurts. And or he, what I love is sometimes he doesn't talk at all, right? Like I think about when he is, when he, when he goes to the crime scene, right? And there's a cop outside and the cop's like, hey, you can't be in here. And Batman just looks at him and the guy's like, all right, just, just don't, don't touch anything. <laughs> you know, like he, he didn't have <laughs> yeah. to say anything. And that's, that's um, the presence that this Batman has that I really think yeah. no other Batman has ever truly embodied that like this one does. I, I think he told the line so beautifully between yeah. being Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And really, we, if you notice, we didn't really see much Bruce Wayne and the little bit of Bruce Wayne we did see he just felt like he was out of place and and it goes he just wanted to get back in the suit it goes into that whole thing where you know when he's out in the daytime he's trying to hide with the shades his hair is messy you know when he talks to people he kind of looks away you know he like he's got like a social anxiety or something this is the first batman we've seen where he's not a billionaire playboy and to me yes i understand the billionaire playboy thing and i know that was sort of the way it was originally created and, and not that that's at all bad but we have gotten that batman several times and this time we got a slightly different one and it really lent itself well to this darker feel this broody yes. moody feel yeah you know if batman as a as a property has been around forever and batman depending on you know just if it's you know part of the canon or if it's just a you know a, a novelization one-off He's been a lot of different things and had a lot of different versions and opinions. So not one is right. One is wrong. Like, oh, they finally got him right. Well, according to who? But like for my likes and interests, this is the most right I've seen him done on the screen. But yeah, this was he's dark. He's young and he's basically despondent. And they did so assuming like I like just they start right off the bat. Not like we got the mandatory exposition of him getting lifted up by bats after he (laughs) <laughs> falls into a cave after the murder of his parents because he runs away from the pain. Like, you know, you know the story, but like they still like did enough to pay attention to where he came from, why he is the way he is, but also craft their own narrative out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, with the whole his dad ran for mayor. Uh, OK, sure. I didn't know that his dad did business with the mob that a choice that he did not intend to get so out of hand and it went sideways. And so, yeah, like there's there's so much gray with all the characters, you know, no one is just purely good. No one's purely evil. And yeah. and I think this is a great, great opportunity to then, you know, shout out Paul Dano as the Riddler. He was he was a fucking creep. Like but like you, you understand his motivations and they very much loaded his motivations at the end. 
instead of at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, he's killing people, but he's killing people who are supposed to be, you know, uh, look to for, for leadership in a, in a broken system. Yeah. They they were corrupt. They were, he thought the source of everything wrong with Gotham, which was, and he's not wrong, right? Like corruption was so deep. It is so deep in, uh, in Gotham that he's, he's not even trying to necessarily stop it. He's trying to bring it out. He's trying to, and he's just just trying to raise awareness. He's a wiki leak basically just that goes a little saw slash jigsaw (laughs) on people. You know, Paul Dano, both when he's in the mask and when he's out of the mask, I think are just so perfectly aligned with the story that has been told the entire time and all of the different riddles and the way, you know, you had mentioned how you kind of learn more about his motivations near the end. And it was done so perfectly in storytelling because you are trying to figure out this mystery alongside um, Gordon and Batman, who are together supposed to be a really good detective team, right? And yes, and even even they screw up, right? <laughs> like the I love when the Colin Farrell oh. Colin Farrell's uh, Penguin basically corrects them when they have when they're looking at the wrong clue or the clue the wrong way, and um, oh yeah, and. But like the way the story plays out is so perfect because we get to see the Riddler the way that everybody else got to see him at first. We weren't we weren't privy to uh, his motivations. We weren't privy to who he was outside of the mask. And you know, right. um, the the movie does some really cool things where they show you little hints of the Riddler, say, watching from a distance or. They show oh, yeah. his light on outside of the club where the penguin works. And then it um, all comes together full full circle. Yeah. And it's like crazy. It's like it shows you. It's right there. And and I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't see this. I saw this on a you know YouTube video with all these Easter eggs and stuff. But like it, you know, it, it the the you see it as they see it, where sometimes the 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 answer is right there in front of you and you just can't see right. it. You just can't grasp it. And so it was perfect the way it walked you through that storyline. And then when you when you finally see who the Riddler is under the mask, it's a totally different type of menacing. And I, It's like when you're doing a boss fight and then they take on a second life. But instead of <laughs> yeah. ramping up, he kind of ramps down a little bit. And he, he, he had vibes, especially as we get to know him from the diner scene on to the finish of the movie. Yeah. He had total, um, whatchamacallit, I, I forget the guy's name, but John Doe or whatever, the Kevin Spacey villain from Seven, like he wanted to get caught. Yeah. But he didn't think he was doing bad things. He thought, oh, I was just, you know, you know, trying to help you guys catch criminals. They, they took a lot in the storytelling and in the story itself from other movies. And, but in a, in a way that didn't seem like they're copying it, but, but more playing homage, like Zodiac too. There's a lot. I got total Zodiac vibes. Yes. Especially yeah. with the who, who's, who is this guy, you know, and where do we find him? How do we find him? Yeah. And just the mystery. But then, yeah. And then of course he's doing some twisted shit too, like a, a jigsaw. Yep. Do, remember when he first came on screen when he's again, the, the use of shadows and darkness was freaking excellent in this movie. But yeah, when he's, his eyes light up green and he's just chilling behind dude, I'm like, that oh. was straight horror movie. That was scary. 
Dude, this is I, not a yeah. quote unquote scary movie. And it did it like the, just the feeling of dread better than, you know, some movies that are horror movies. The moment they did that was when I was like, all right, this movie is. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm invested. What I want. Yeah. In the next three hours. So we talked you know, about Paul Dano, the Riddler. Let's, uh, he was great. Let's talk about some of the other characters like um, Colin Farrell, who played the penguin. You know, you see him in the trailer, which came out well more than a year ago to, you know, even before that, you heard he was announced alongside as, you know, the penguin. I'm just like, wait, I can't I can't see it. And then when I did see it, I was like, I'm not believing what I'm seeing. And then when it was a full on movie, which he was like, probably what, like the fourth biggest character behind, you know, Selena Kyle, Riddler mm-hmm. and Batman himself, he was very prominent in this for just a brief moment. I saw it in his eyes. I could tell I was calling Farrell mm. just for the brief moments. Other than that, I would have never guessed. You could have given me a hundred guesses, but like this is a prominent actor playing this guy. And yeah. I just love how they were out loud about it. Like he's the, he's the penguin, but it wasn't like that. That's actually what they call him. That's just like his, you know, his mob name, his goon name. Um, you know, and they really call him the, they call him Oz from time to time. And just, they never made him cheesy. They made him believable uh, for the role he had. And they made him, made it to the point where you could believe him picking up the mantle of uh, Carmine Falcone in the next installment, should they choose to rehash him, which would be a lost opportunity if they didn't. Oh, they've I, got to. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. I, I almost guarantee they're going to make another one. I mean, they already teed it up with um, Barry Kogan, something like that. Uh, he, he was Druid from Marvel's Eternals. He was, the Joker in Arkham. Well, you know, we were talking about that. So you went and looked it up. I did because so just to the listeners, the story is, is as we were leaving and we were talking about the Joker teaser at the end, we were just kind of talking about, um, or we overheard, excuse me, some other younger kids talking about younger kids. They're probably like in their twenties. Uh, talking, <laughs> they're talking, like talking about, uh, there were, you know, and one of the guys was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the guy from the Eternals. And I was oh, like, that was, I heard him say something about the Eternals. And I was like, dude, this movie is way better than Eternals. Like, don't compare the two. Yeah. They're both long. That's the only comparison really. But this one, I, I this did one not didn't feel long. <laughs> the other one sure did. No, it certainly uh, was a different uh, objective time pass, but okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. It's and, not, not a bad casting. No, I could, I could see that. And again, everyone's younger in this, in this take in this time around. So totally makes sense. It, of course, any, and like we talked about just briefly upon X in the theater, it, of course, they're going to play the Joker card. No pun intended. Yeah. And that's a big thing to do um, being that, you know, Jack Nicholson started it. Heath Ledger crushed it and pretty much made it infamous. Yeah. Famous. He is the Joker to especially a lot of people. But I, that doesn't mean you can't go for it and have a different version of it. And it made it seem like, so the one thing I really liked about uh, the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight, he's not out to fight Batman. He, Batman, like he doesn't want to physically harm Batman. He's like, me and you, we're going to, you know, we're going to be partners for life. Yeah, he says, you complete me. <laughs> And he, he never wants to physically harm him. He'll physically harm people in his life as a way to get to him. But knowing that Batman is, is a no kill, he, he like, and that's what Riddler was doing too. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you. We're not enemies. We're, 
we're doing this together. I'm mm-hmm. leading you along the way. And so then, so what the Riddler thought he was doing for Batman sounds like Joker wants to do for the Riddler because the Joker realizes insanity, of course, and madness when he sees it. And just that little, like, hey, a friend in need and, you know, riddle me this. Just like, I was like, ooh, this could be good, you know? And they don't have to be cheesy. They could be, you know, like really, like confidently psychotic men, but still fully aware too of themselves. I'm just excited for that tease and I hope they do pay it off. And yeah, I don't know. Oh, wait, did I say no one's been Joker since? That's right. I forgot Jared Leto was technically Joker. Hey, 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 we don't don't talk talk about Leto. We don't talk about Leto or Bruno here we on this podcast. Talk about Leto, no, no. Uh, dude, are we going to have to talk about Leto though, for the sake of our podcast down the line? Come April first, when Morbius comes out, which looks more and more unexciting um, every time I see the same trailer. You a know, new Marvel legend. You know, WB is like really looking forward to Morbius coming out because they're thinking, yeah, they're- "All right, finally, we're going to have a really good DC movie, and then soon after, we're going to get a really bad Marvel movie." And we're going to be on top again. Uh, yeah, people then, will be talking about us. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, <laughs> then, then a good Marvel movie is going to come out and blow it away. Like the uh, multiverse of madness or something. Exactly. For, the scales are always going to be imbalanced and that's fine. Um, the last major character to, to, Oh, and I loved Andy Serkis. He wasn't major, but Alfred. Yeah. Bring him on. He was great. Again, a younger Alfred, not like the, Stuffy, you know, bald butler. Like I, I always think of like Alfred, you know, whether it's played by Morgan Freeman or whoever else. I the, the Alfred that sticks in my mind is just the uh, the animated series Alfred. That's like yeah. what I always think of. But Andy Serkis was Freeman great. Did, Morgan Freeman didn't play. Oh, he was Lucius. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jeremy Irons. Excuse me. I got my uh, my older actors mixed up. That's right. um, they look yeah. <laughs> But I thought he was great. I loved, um, is it Jeffrey Wright, the guy from Westworld who is in a lot of other things? Yep. He was a great Gordon. Um, You know, and that's the thing. People are like, oh, Gordon was black or Gordon was, or Gordon was black in this movie. Gordon's white. I'm like, these are imaginary characters. They're not anything. Now, if you make, if you make Batman shoot webs, okay, then yeah, we'll talk. Be like, okay, well, you're taking a little too much liberty here, but like, it's open to interpretation. And I thought this interpretation was great. And then uh, rounding out the cast, the big cast, uh, Selena Kyle. Right. Which I, I really liked her. I thought, and again, everyone is like, no one overacted. We didn't need a overarching like backstory of like, oh, like granted, I'm not knocking it. It's one of my favorite Batman movies, but like Batman Returns when Michelle Pfeiffer like, like dies and then gets revived by her cats. And then she's imbued with cat powers or something like that. I was like, we didn't need that. You just see that, oh, she's a cat burglar. She has an apartment with some cats in it. That's all we need. Nothing was expository. Nothing was hit over the head. Again, going back to the word I, I used earlier, everything was understated and it, you got to go to it. It didn't come to you. And I just was like, I thought yep. that was perfect. And she's like, she kind of had like a, um, like a La Femme Nikita vibe. Like she's like this timid looking uh, person, very small, frail, feminine, but ass kicker puts herself in a man's world, puts herself in dangerous situations, wears wigs, and finds a way to get out <laughs> and you know capture her objective. She was great. She was awesome. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, the one the one casting that I was not super hot on was Carmine uh, Falcone. Carmine Falcone, John Turner. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought that was just a little mismatch for me. 
And you know what it is? It's not at all that he did a bad job. I actually think he did a very good job. It's just that when I see him as an actor, I don't think of somebody who is menacing. He's a comical actor, typically. It's just a guy who I know as a comedic person who generally plays somebody who is not at all a threat in, in, in the roles he plays. And yeah. so I, um, I, and I guess maybe, you know, maybe that's what Matt Reeves was going for, right? Somebody who it, it wasn't threatening because of the way he looked or talked or whatever, but just because of the, uh, what you knew about his past and what he's willing to do. Which I, I get, but I just we learned more that, about him from other people talking about him than we did from him on screen himself. Yeah, he but, was actually on screen for very not that much of the movie, but he's he's an overarching presence that ties this whole thing together. He is, you know, Rada Alada or whatever, and you know he is the driving factor in all of this. So his his presence, his character was big. His on screen maybe a, a little bit to be desired, but so yeah. it goes. Yep. Yep. And I don't even know what else to talk about. I think uh, the action in this was incredible. Um, some, some of, in my opinion, the, some of the best Batman related action scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. The, the word that comes to mind, whether it's the car chase or the, uh, the hand to hand combat, everything was so gritty and visceral. It's not like stylized and swift kicks and, he, there wasn't an over-reliance of his technology. He basically just uses his grappling hook like three times, but he stays on his feet for the most part. He doesn't fly through cityscapes. He has a, a, a wing suit that he Fs up <laughs> royally. Yeah. I love I how love he, that. he was vulnerable, He but he just had such a powerful belief in what he was doing and just this very quiet rage and purpose that just outweighs his actual abilities. So whether he's the best at fighting or not, He'll find a way, you know, and I love how the basically it felt like the first half of the movie, he got to be a detective, you know, he's the caped crusader, he's, he's vengeance, he's the knight, he's fear, he's also the detective, you know, he gets called detective a lot, and we actually got to see him doing detecting, and there yeah. wasn't over lines of like fancy technology, but like believable modern day stuff, just in this gothic Gotham setting. Um, yeah, like then, he didn't have a, he didn't have like a, a thing in his, I mean, granted, he had contact lenses that allowed him to record things but it, it wasn't oh. like he had a detective vision type technology like in the games where you know he can see things that the average human eye can't see it's, it's, it wasn't like that right he he used his own deduction and detective work to figure some of this stuff out and wasn't all perfect when he did yeah yeah and this was a very self-contained story yet it's going places if they want to but they didn't have to be like, oh, here's a cameo from another beloved DC character. You know, this is just like, nope, this is staying on its own course, its own rails, you know. And I like that because the the group up and the, the larger, you know, potential for, for team ups is something DC is trying to do. But I love this was just like, nope, this is in its own circle. Um, and I like that. I also, I, I kind of liked, you know, how, and this is might be going way too into it, but I couldn't help but like pick up on it from my own perception. Do you notice like the, the guy who was about to get beat up by the thugs? And of course they were all like, you know, doing that. What was that thing called? Like when you knock someone out and record it on YouTube and uh, there was a name for it back in the day. And that's basically what they're doing. But you notice the gentleman they were picking on 
before Batman stepped in was Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that was kind of like, you know, almost kind of paying mind to the fact that we've had, you know, a very ugly sentiment since 2020 with a rise in Asian, uh, you know, Asian based hate crimes, you know, and I just thought that was kind of awesome too. Like, you know. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Like it's kind of nice. I mean, it could just be, you know, but they, you know, every little thing in casting gets paid attention to, Hey, we're just looking for a train victim. Okay. Well, what do you want? Well, we want a guy. Okay. What kind of guy we want? You know, and they narrowed it down and nothing says to me that anything that I saw in this movie was even to the smallest detail, like you pointed out, unintentional or just happenstance. I thought that was just kind of a cool little nod to the fact like, hey, cut the shit, you know, especially in like urban settings where this is probably happening like with a little more uh, regularity or glamorization behind it. So just a little subtle touch that I was like, hey, that's that's pretty awesome. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, go ahead. Just uh, again, not to get too deep in the weeds, but another small thing is, you know, in the games, in the movies back in the day, it was Joker's goons and get them boys, you know, and then you just have like a bunch of like four or five, you know, putty patrol go after them. They're dressed all the same. They had Riddler had that, but because he was using Twitch and or whatever live streaming. So he had feet on the ground. So it seemed believable as to why he had thugs, basically, who dressed like him. Yeah. So actually, I, that's one of the things I wanted to, to touch on the connection, because you would mentioned, you know, they were beating up on an Asian man, which is, you know, who knows if they were trying to point something out with the current sentiment towards Asian Americans because of COVID and the misinformation that's out there and all that. Um, it didn't seem coincidental to me. Yeah, no. And I, I agree with you that it, it probably wasn't. And but, you know, what really uh I felt was connected to current America was the fact that this guy can go online, build a following around his crazy ideals, tell everybody, you know, everybody on there is, is cheering him on. Like, like uh, what you see in in the dark parts of the webs around um, school shootings and stuff like this. And in this case, he was able to build his own little mini army and um, you can't tell me that that's not a reflection of January 6th, right? Like, it felt a little capital riot. It did. Right. And whether it, that it was written did. or accounted for well before that event ever occurred in our history, or if this is something that, you know, they worked, mm-hmm. worked out after the fact, I can't shake the fact that, yeah. And then he went online and he's using, like you said, dark web to mobilize people and looking for people who, you know, buy into this and want to dress like him. And, you know, I'm surprised they didn't show a guy with Viking horns, you know, and, and face paint. <laughs> right. Say, and you know, cause that's fucking stupid you look, but. Cause that did happen with January 6th, right. On message boards, they were messaging each other about where to meet up, about where to go buy certain things um, yep. about literally where to hide weapons and explosives. <laughs> like that, that stuff truly happened in real life not too long ago in America. So it makes it feel extremely uncomfortably realistic the way it was depicted in this movie. Um, this was and, not your average superhero movie. I, <laughs> I venture to even say superhero. He doesn't feel like a superhero. How do you root for a guy that clearly doesn't want to be where he is? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, this wasn't like a happy feeling superhero movie and just everything was so literally dark and i just but mm-hmm. the, it, 
all that to say, he is a superhero at his core. And usually they're, you know, not so high on political commentary or, you know, critique of modern day society. I think the last time a movie like truly had a message was Black Panther, you know, mm. and I couldn't help but not feel like the same import or impact that a lot of people might have felt having watched Black Panther. But I, I do feel like this was the first time in a comic book based movie that they had something to say other than just what was happening to these characters on screen, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to start to wrap this up if I can. Um, I, I think it's only fair, but I, I genuinely, I could happily talk about this movie for another 30 minutes. Um, oh, I know. I mean, we didn't even, we didn't even touch on so much of the things that I like the little details that I love about this, the way he was, and I'm well, now I'm just gonna check off the boxes. But like the way he was afraid to jump off the top of a building, right? You can tell he's never used that technology he had. The way he yeah. was, uh, you know, Selena Kyle literally jumped off of a building to to run away from them, and he you you can tell he reluctantly is like, okay, I've, I'm going to do this too, but I'm going to do it slightly differently. And he uses this magnetic thing, and it gives him a wire to go down. But you can tell he freaks him out because he's. But even Selena Kyle, it, it was great because Selena Kyle was more prepared for that kind of stuff than he is. Yeah. And you're, you go into every Batman movie expecting him to be kind of almost like, yeah, he's brooding and he's, he's mentally has um, some, some things that he needs to work through, but, but physically he's perfect and he's fearless. But no, this guy wasn't. And I loved that. Um, yeah. The other thing I just want to, touch on is i love how you know as as a batman comic book reader they took so much from different comic books like the word hush was in giant letters in this sort of like quick cut montage that they were doing um because this has references to the hush storyline this has references to the great storyline yeah the, um the court of owls batman year one like and Batman. like you pointed out to me that they made a point to say, he, this is year two. He's not saying it's been two years since I put on the suit. No, it's just like, no, year two. Like, yeah. This, he, so this you, guy's methodical and young and he's still learning and he's making mistakes. And yeah, it just, he yeah. was so vulnerable yet oddly relatable, even though he is so detached from anything that a normal human would experience. Yeah. Anything else you want to just real quickly mention before we wrap up and give our final thoughts? I loved the fact that he didn't have some fancy dancy technology again, understated. Yes. He's a, a multimillionaire, you know, trust fund baby, but his layer was, you know, just understated and just needed what he needed to do with nothing like these huge, like multiplex screens and not flexing his power. His car was more of a muscle car with like some cool armor and you didn't even get to see the full outline of it since it only came out at night, you know, but it wasn't like the, Quinjet engine with like blue flames out the back. No, like when he stepped on the gas, you heard like American muscle under there. His yeah. his bat copter or his bat chopper or whatever you call it, bat cycle was more of just his own personal motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. guy, everything was just so stripped down and yet effective. And yeah. I, I just this was a really enjoyable movie. Well, let's wrap it up with some uh, ratings. Okay, set the tone. I'll follow the directive since I usually yep. uh, do my own voice. <laughs> you too. I was expecting to like this movie. 
but was surprised that I liked it even more. And, and so if there's a movie and I, we've talked about this before, my expectations going into a movie will impact my thoughts on it. And so if I am expecting a movie to be good and I go into the movie and it's good, then I'm almost disappointed. It wasn't great. If that makes any sense. Like (laughs) I, 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 I hate that that's the way I feel, but it's true. In this case, I went in expecting a good movie and came out and it was great. And so it blew my expectations away. There was never a dull moment. Every, every single scene was meticulously thought out and shot and it was gorgeous. In my opinion, this is, if, okay, as, as a Batman movie, this is probably my favorite Batman movie as far as like the storyline, the way it was shot, everything. I still think The Dark Knight is my favorite, though, particularly not even because like I think the directing that Matt Reeves had was better. And I think it was the cinematography was better. I think the Batman was better. The only thing is I really can't get over how much I love the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, So so that's always going to be, I think, my favorite. But this one is so damn close. And I never expected it to even get that close to me in my mind. So to me, this is like a, a 9.5. That's exactly what I was going to say. Not yeah. all the preamble, no offense, <laughs> but you explained it very well. And that's, that's the conclusion I had. There's well, just like one, one thing I could have done without, but I mean, I don't even want to mention it because I, I don't want, but I'm just saying there's just one thing in my mind that prevented me like me, like this was a complete fault. Like I'm not, I'm not even saying faultless, um, but just a complete, like, 10 a perfect 10 but yeah this was so good and i i agree with everything you said um for me uh, the only path i would divert on just for my own um fandom is i thought i thought as a whole movie complete movie uh from start to finish i it is the most fun i've had with uh, a batman movie um and yeah i'm just excited if they do more and i really hope they do and i hope all the metrics line up for the studios to let this guy do it again and bigger and, and better if, if that's so called for, but yeah, it was just, it was awesome. Yeah. What a, what an unexpected surprise. Like you said, I expected to like it. I hoped it would be good, but just from the time it was announced years ago to the trailer, uh, I was just like, ah, it's kind of probably gonna be okay. But no, it was, it was, a it was a, it was crafted out of love and careful attention to detail for yep. sure. Yep. And therefore it kicked all kinds of ass just like this episode did. Would you agree? I would, you know, one thing that we do occasionally is we end with an awesome quote in geek history. And I'm going to jump right into that because I chose one that is Batman related. One that, I was hoping so. one that, um, but, but going, I'm, I want to harken back to the good old days the animated series. And you know that this, this quote was, some, was on the mind of Matt Reeves when he wrote this. So here is the awesome quote in geek history. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. And you know that that, that was at top of mind, right? Because called him vengeance in the movie they, yeah they kept on his he was called vengeance more than he was batman 
I just love, sorry, I forgot to say this on the recording, but whatever. But I just love how, like, he just shows up to the, the, instead of like sleuthing in or detecting in, he just shows up to the front door, knocks, (laughs) like, at the club. And he's like, do you know who I am? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. I just love how he, and he's just walking through the crowd. They're all like dancing. He's just like, hey, hey guys, it's Batman. I love that. Do you notice that he went to the club three times and he got in a different way every time? The first time he was as Batman, he's like, do you know who I am? The second time he went as Bruce Wayne, he's like, do you know who I am? The yeah. third time he just knocked and he just slipped through. <laughs> like when they went out to go see who it was, he just snuck behind and shut the door. Yeah, the guy rules. And technically he, a, fourth, a fourth way because he used his money and technology to have Selena Kyle go in one time for him. <laughs> a proxy, yeah, a bad <laughs> proxy. All right, anything else? No. Hey, so this goes out to... Uh, uh, my friend Spencer, he was the one that really motivated me to go see this movie. So Spencer, if you're listening, um, you weren't wrong. He said it was the best Batman movie he's ever seen. And I said, okay, but for real, is that a little bit of recency bias, which of course is, you know, a thing. And yeah. I don't think it was. And now I'm standing firm with him. So yes, Spencer, if you're listening, thank you. You were right. And um, by the damn, way, speaking damn. of, yeah, damn Spencer, thank you for your service too. Um, always think a, a service member he's like whatever i just got paid to drink but uh <laughs> I, I don't know if he actually said that maybe i'm just imagining he said that uh but we have a twitter at random fandom wbb um hey brandon thank you so much by the way for pointing out that commenter from uh, uh, a few weeks ago so what are we the dorks of ages and trump supporters yeah something like that that was really nice hey you know what honestly sucks to be you because you're the one that spent 55 minutes of your life to tell us that we suck so Thank you. We'll appreciate your feedback. What was he mad about? Was he mad that we didn't like Eternals? Was that what it was? No, 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 no. Uh, That we weren't progressive enough to understand the Matrix Resurrections. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, because we didn't like the Matrix Resurrections, we're Trump supporters. Hey, you know what? Thank you anyways. We appreciate you checking us out. So, uh, this episode, go back and uh, get pissed off at our opinions at anything we've done in the past. And stay tuned for future episodes, which can include a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, you might have to do a Morbius episode, but I reserve the right to be surprised, but I reserve the right to not be surprised in equal measure. Yeah? Sure. Sounds good. All right, everyone. And uh, thank you for being a fan of our fandom, though. Yep. And stay geeky, everyone.